Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm here today with my good friend, my soon-to-be good friend after these chats, Mr. Marty Park. How are you, sir? Tyler, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. We 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 played tag a little bit on this, and COVID happened, and life happened, and we finally we finally got a chance to get connected. I am, again, I say to you offline, selfishly, this you're a perfect example of someone I've known off and on through the years. We've crossed paths, but I've never had a chance to sit down, listen to your story. I've got your book sitting in front of me, 398 pages. Uh, I have to say, and I'm saying that with a level of awe and impressiveness. This is a substantial. Like, I want to get into how this came to be, and like even the job of writing a book. So, kudos to you on that. Tiger Thanks. by the tail, ninety nine secret, secrets to tame and master your business. Which uh, I think there was a there, is, was there a pre COVID version and a post COVID version of this, or is it just different depths on the same kind of themes here? D- different depths on the same themes. In fact, uh, it's amazing how some of those themes have come out, and I've been like, wow, I've just nailed it for this situation. I love being right in hindsight or retrospective. Yes. <laughs> Marty, maybe let's just give for anyone who hasn't had the privilege of meeting you or getting to know you, maybe you want to give a quick background, what you're, what you're all about, what you do, kind of what keeps you busy on uh, day to day. Yeah, sure. Um, my background's pretty entrepreneurial. i uh, from Calgary. I uh, started my first company when I was 21 with a good friend of mine, Greg. And uh, we, like any ambitious 21-year-olds, blissfully ignorant of business, said uh, we were in our, going into our fourth year of the commerce program, uh, left university and started a software company. And we told our parents, hey, don't worry. I certainly did. Uh, don't worry. I'll be retired in six months. And of course, like any good entrepreneur after six months, hadn't paid myself, maxed our credit cards. Uh, we had to go to Greg's dad and get a second uh, mortgage, or a loan against his dad's house uh, for the business. And that really at a very early age, started learning about business quickly. I mean, once we put the mortgage on Greg's dad's house, we went from, I would say, playing business where it was like, oh, we're working on a bunch of stuff, but we weren't really selling anything. We weren't transacting. And we quickly had to figure out how do you do business? And that was a really early great lesson. And I've gone on to have uh, 13 companies in uh, seven different industries, uh, ranging from uh, franchising to um the marketing, uh, advertising space, uh, restaurants and bars, um, the audio production company, uh, our initial software. Um, so it's been a, a roller coaster ride as an entrepreneur. One of the jobs I took, I would say that's sort of my side gig is all those businesses. The real job that I've had through the last 19 years has been as a, a business coach or an entrepreneur coach. And so I help a lot of clients today. My sole business, I've divested of everything else. The sole business I have is Evolve and Evolve Business Group. What it does is uh, a lot of coaching and strategy work or advising work with entrepreneurs. And then we have uh, a lot of training and execution help with clients so they can actually implement the things we're talking about. Interesting. So 19 years uh, and I'll be uh, like coaching has become a lot more trendy and a lot more popular and uh, just people being more open to getting outside input, which I think is great. But 19 years ago, that wasn't really... That wasn't really a thing as much as it is. No. Or maybe that's just my vision of it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Actually, it was introduced to me as you could become a business coach. And I, I literally had that mental block of like, okay, I understand coach from sports and I understand business, but I have no idea what you're talking about when you marry the two. And I, I even though I'm in the coaching space and a lot of people say, oh, Marty's a business coach, I identify as being an entrepreneur and then first and then an entrepreneur coach second. Uh but I, I do have that bias of the entrepreneur or the uh, coaching space where people say, well, you know, I took a weekend course and now I'm a coach. And so I, I wish there was a little bit more sometimes to be able to uh, 
uh, get into it, right? And then there's certainly over the years, there's more and more certification that comes up and better, better programs. Um, but still, the barrier to entry sometimes is pretty low. And so I've, over the 19 years, uh, I have a few friends in the industry who have been around that long. And we sometimes joke as being like the old gray hairs or the grandfathers of the industry. And you watched all the hundreds of people come and go with it. Uh, but it's been an awesome ride. It was it analogies. I was in the fitness industry for quite a few years, something I was very passionate about. And it was literally, you could take a weekend course and the people that stuck with it and, you know, when it was kind of a novelty and there, it was a very transient industry and you, you very quickly became jaded. Well, I'm doing this seriously. You're just playing at it and you know, totally different and not a fair comparison, but just one of those industries where the barrier to entry was really low and in case attracted some really good skilled individuals and maybe some people that you could have found a better fit somewhere else to be blunt. Yeah. I think there's tons of people, people get into the coaching space for the right reason. I think most of them are driven by heart that they really want to help people, whether it's, you know, your personal coach or a life coach or business coach. I think that sometimes those people don't necessarily have, they're not really aware of the fact that they're going to need to run a business to be right. that coach. Yes. Right. And so they, they're all about the, the service of it, but sometimes you're like, yeah, there's a, you got to have a successful business model too, to be able to do this long term. And that's sometimes secondary for people. And they get into it and realize, I don't think I can make a living at this. And uh, yeah, that for me is, is what I see a lot of. Well, it's a lot of challenges. I think fitness industry just is a loose comparison, very passion driven. Like people are very passionate about it. They believe in it. They want to invest in it. Like you said, there's a lot of heart and sometimes the, the, the logistical realities of supporting that financially don't always, don't always line up. And that's sometimes where it can fall apart. Totally. Yeah. Bang on. Well, at 20, okay, 21, so, so I heard this right. You left, left school, didn't finish, which is not neither here, neither here, neither here nor there, but I love that you're like, I left it at 21, start your own business. I, I got, I got huge respects for Greg's dad that he came to the table and supported oh. you guys. Cause that's in hindsight, I'm like, what was Greg's dad thinking? But that's another story. Was, did you grow up in an auction? <laughs> did you grow up in a, we'll get back to how that business did. And maybe yeah. Greg's dad had a, he had a huge exit and, you know, had his piece and now he's on the beach. But, uh, did you grow up in an entrepreneurial environment? Like, again, where was the spark for this thing? Because no. entrepreneurs are they're made, actually, not born, they're born, not made. There's lots of theories around entrepreneurs. Funny, funny enough, I think actually my dad um, subsequently launched his own business and is very entrepreneurial and has been now over his career. At the time, when I was in university, I think he was still on that path of, and I, I say this name specifically, you're going to join Procter & Gamble. You'll work your way up the corporate ladder. You become an executive vice president. You'll get a great pension that's what you're going to do. And I was like, okay. And so, but at the university, I got involved with the entrepreneurs club. And I swear I was looking at joining the business clubs because they had a lounge area and it was like a private little lounge area. And I was like, all the cool parties are up there. I got to join a club. And, uh, I don't remember if it was Greg or my buddy Dave, right? The honesty versus, yeah, versus one of them was versus like, reverse hey. engineering it to sound like this big streamlined, right. like very deliberate event. That's often not how it is. Right. Yeah. There was a finance club. I was like, no, that's not for me, but the entrepreneurs and literally as the more I, we sat around and talked about the idea of running a business, we did a national conference through ACE and running the national conference, you know, end to end was almost like a little mini business that only ran for four days. But all of that, I mean, I just came away and pretty soon I was like, yeah, starting your own business would be awesome. And uh, that that's really where the bug came from. Now, interesting when you think about it, I started a business at 21, but I think I was 28 or 29 and with my third business before I started to say, oh, maybe I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, it took okay. me that long to feel like I was maybe, not necessarily playing business again, but 
I hadn't really bought into the concept that maybe I was the guy who was really capable in business. For In our early business, I thought, well, Greg's really the entrepreneur and I'm sort of almost like the support manager. Um, oh, and it, by the third business though, I was like, oh, maybe I'm the entrepreneur. Oh, hey, wait. And it was really, it was interesting to me now reflectively that it took like eight or nine years to make that shift, that identity well, and, shift. And not, and not, not that I want to date either you or nor I in terms of what age group or, or what age range we're talking about, but entrepreneur has become a lot more sexy recently than it was 20 oh, years ago. Totally. Yeah. My guidance counselor never said entrepreneur as a, as a potential option. That's not, I don't recall that cover. That's kind of, that's kind of was like, Oh, an, oh you're an entrepreneur and the eyes would roll. And it, yeah, it, totally. it, it wasn't, so not work, it was what what's that? So you're out of work. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. So even coming to that naturally or kind of, so interesting that, uh, and we're sorry, school wise, were you here in Calgary when you went to school UFC? Yeah. Yeah. UFC. And there was an, there was an entrepreneur club back then. Yeah. And I was one year away from the end of my uh, commerce degree and also my English degree. And uh, so my, I did, I did go back. We started the business. And then at night I started, I said to my parents, like, listen, I'm going to finish. I went back to university and now having, you know, the day where I'm running a business, I remember very clearly taking a marketing class, love marketing. And, uh, you know, they're still talking about the Coke versus Pepsi scenario. And I'm putting up my hands saying, yeah, yeah, but wait, what if your marketing budget's only 2,500? Like, how would you implement that same theme? Or they're like, can you just sit down, please? And I was like, no, no, wait, I, what if you've only got, well, that's great if you're a conglomerate, but what if you're looking at a regional program? Please, you just sit down. And I realized, okay, this is no longer for me. What I need now in terms of like guerrilla tactics in my business, I'm not going to get from university. And, it, and so I say guerrilla, because then it led me to things like Jay Conrad Levinson and like guerrilla marketing and books where I was like, oh, just devouring learning like I never had before in school because that was my money and it was real. And, you know, suddenly you're living it, as you know, your interest in learning about it skyrockets. Yes. Cause the relevance and the, and the, the, the lack of tolerance for this is not relevant. Give me something I need. So from your own journey to a lot of self-directed learning, getting the books, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a reflection, in a lot of our patterns. I'm like, well, once I decided what I wanted to do, there wasn't a book I wouldn't dive into or like I, I took courses, but it was a lot more like I created my own curriculum per se, which I sound, that sounds like a lot of what went on for you. Yeah, I think that's true. And some of it out of necessity where it's like, Never really liked accounting, but again, when it was my money, wow, I'm really interested in these accounting books. Um, but also some things where naturally my affinity for sales and marketing has always been there. I'm from a long line of proud salespeople. So I grew up with sales being a good connotation, that it was sort of a, a really, it's a proud profession. And so that helped me right out of the gate. And uh, yeah, so some of that, but you know, in the absence of that, still always learning to be like, how would they do this? And, and um now hungry to absorb, you know, what the other guy's doing, steal his idea. What can I read and learn about? Boy, yeah, I, I just be, realized business was a passion. Uh, that's, uh, I like, uh, not to overlook it, it's something you and I were even talking about online, that belief in our own paradigms around things, but to grow up with sales being positioned as an honorable profession, because it's not always, like you say sales and people conjure up Herb Tarlick and the, 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 the suit and the used car salesman, you know, versus, you know, what you just said about, no, I grew up from a, a proud you know, heritage, a proud line of salespeople. And I think that that's an amazing gift in hindsight because the beliefs you bring with you will really will dictate how we behave. And I don't think everyone gets that same. Well, we all, we all get a couple different versions of, of our, our belief structures. And as we grow, we sometimes evolve them on our own. But to me, that sounds like a pretty powerful 
gift to be given to go out and even be able to function in an entrepreneurial setting, not being scared or thinking sales is bad or dirty in some way? Oh, it's huge. I mean, uh, now I see it with clients all the time because you get very, very capable entrepreneurs. And one of the biggest barriers to their success is wanting to go out and quote, sell to people. Even though they absolutely believe in their product or service, their immediate switch from being a successful business owner, as soon as you start to talk about sales, you can just see their whole demeanor change as they think, oh, now I've got to go be Herb Tarlick. I've got to go be that slick used car salesman. Oh, and their, their empowerment just deflates. And so, yeah, I was very fortunate to have people to be like, hey, sales is great. You got to go do it. And I was like, okay. I mean, one of my favorite conversations is to get entrepreneurs suddenly shifted over to this space of like, sales can be a good thing. I can actually help people by selling. And uh, yeah, that's when they have that breakthrough and then start to be like, this is really enjoyable, sort of shouting about my product or service from the rooftops and really believing it. Man, it changes the business, and but it has such a huge impact on them. So, and I've I've encountered it, you know, in being a marketing company in Calgary, working with a lot of engineering firms, like just there's a level of professional tech, technical proficiency where sales seems to almost cheapen it, or there's a risk that it feels it's going to compromise sometime. So, as a as a coach, I'm curious how how do you approach that? And I know everyone's everyone's unique, but how do you kind of come at that? in a highly technically oriented and highly like expertise driven town to make sales, not a dirty, not a dirty word. Is there, is there a way that you kind of approach that or that, you know, uh, I, because I'm, I'm hoping people are listening going, okay, help me get over this belief structure. Right. So what I found is most people who have that, uh, and it's very easy. I mean, if I say the exercise is to say, what are the first three words that come to mind when I say salesperson? And if it starts with slick, dirty, <laughs> Um, it sounds like you're describing some sort of dirty movie, like, you know, like <laughs> just cheap, the, the, you know, that you have a negative connotation to sales. Uh, but that being said, I say, listen, let's talk about your product or service and you know, what is it you like about it? Why do people need it? Um, and when you get people talking about the delivery of their product or service, their passion comes out their enthusiasm for it. You know, I ask people, is there a need for this? Oh God, absolutely. And then I, here's my, my sort of point where I t- transition, I say, is it safe to say that in providing your service or your product, you're helping people? And they go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because everybody, I think, if they believe in what they do, says that. So as soon as I say, great, now we've agreed on the word help. So we know that you're, in fact, helping people. Yes. Great. I never want you to sell another day in your life. What do you mean? I want us to, now we're going to replace the word sell with the word help. We're going to go out into the marketplace and help people. We're going to go out in the marketplace and introduce people to our product so we can help them. And one of the first places I learned this a long time ago was working with um, a bunch of massage therapists where they wouldn't rebook somebody because they didn't want to be selling them. And I said, well, wait, but if you knew you were giving me a massage and you knew I was all messed up and I had to come back in a week, you wouldn't say to me, Marty, I really want to see you again in a week. Well, yeah, then I would. I was like, oh, but wait, that'd be selling. They'd be like, oh, but I'd be just trying to help. And as soon as they got it really clear on oh, in the help space, I'm content to say the same things and do that. But if I'm in the selling space, and so all I did then, as soon as you become conscious of that switch, it's easier to go, oh, wait, I'm going to go back to the help side. I'm dropping the selling side. And so I just, in the language, I often say to people, we don't use the word sell. We don't use the word selling. We talk about helping. How are we going to help people? How are we going to distribute our product to help more people? And then people tend to get on board with it. And it's a really easy, as soon as you make the mental switch, then you can 
be able to do a lot of the scripting switches in a lot of the places where people go, oh, okay, now I'm comfortable with the identity. And, uh, and there, there's the identity again of like, okay, instead of presenting yourself at this meeting as a salesperson, why don't you present yourself as a business owner? Oh, well, I am a business owner. Right. So stop sliding into that ugly sales guy role. Just keep being a business owner. Say the same thing as a business owner. And it's literally like they're playing characters where it went like, well, I'd said it like a schmuck as a sales guy. Now I'll say it as a business owner and their voice and demeanor and everything changes. And so as soon as I can get people sort of role playing it, once they've got the switch, they go, oh, okay, now I know exactly. Occasionally with clients, I go, if they're struggling, I have a, a client where he's been struggling a little bit with sales lately. I go, have you slid back into salesman? He's like, ah, oh, God, you know what? I think I have. I just got to get back to right. I'm the owner and I'm helping people. I'm like, there you go. And just those two sentences bring him back to a space where he has more success because he's no longer pushing like a, a real, you know, the sleazy salesman is always him first, thinking about my commission or thinking about, I just need to do a deal for me versus the help mentality of, if this is really something I believe you could assist you and help you, then I feel good about my responsibility in trying to promote it and explain it to you. And uh, I mean, I just love the ability to transition that because most of us approach sales from a really good place. And so as soon as we can ground ourselves in, I'm coming from a heart place, a place of help, man, you get better results and it's way more rewarding because in most of the time people go, no, I really do need this product. So thank you. Yeah. I, lo I love your strategy around, around words because words are so powerful and we can hear so much and our, even, even our own self-talk, but shifting that and creating it, just give them a new script, a new dialogue to follow and playing a part. You know, you, yeah. you play that part for a while, you start to believe it. You start to take it up, it becomes method acting and you've lived it, you feel it. <laughs> exactly. I'm secretly a method actor in sales yeah. instructor. Yeah. Well, I got, I buy that. I'm absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm getting it. The Oscar goes to, I mean, the sale goes to yeah. the, help, the helping award, the helping a helper's <laughs> award of the year. We could build a whole, I think we're both, and we're both marketers at heart. So there's all kinds of words and we can turn this into a campaign pretty quick. So first three year, first three businesses, you said, you know, 21 to 29, you, you, you know, I did hear on your third business by 29. What happened to the, what happened to the other two businesses? Were we learning? Were we, did we sell them? Do we have exits? Did they, not did they teach us what they needed to teach and we moved on? I'm always curious because yeah. failure actually, and failure and learning, speaking of two different words, are, are, are tricky ones sometimes for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So actually, my uh, so Greg and I reached a point in our business uh, partnership where I think it had changed. We went, you know, we started as two young guys was just buddies. This is going to be fun. Then you get into the complexities of having staff and all the moving pieces of a business. Um, and we started to have a little bit of divergence, both in what we wanted to create about um, different approaches to management and, and uh, how we handled people in the business. And uh, yeah, it just, I think it became very clear the one day that there was a bit of a transition point. And one day I said, you know, maybe now's a good time for me to look at transitioning out. Uh, Greg responded with uh, yes. And I was like, good. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And I'm, you know, it's sort of, I, it happened fairly quickly. Um, so we were both at a place where I was comfortable to go on to the next thing. And I think he really wanted to be able to run it independently and see what he could do with it. He did eventually sell the business and did, uh, you know, dad got the house back. So everything was nice. really good that way. I, I, I was worried. Uh, you know, about, I, I want, I was worried about dad through this yeah, whole thing. It was a successful exit. And ironically, uh, so I, you mentioned uh, the book, I did the audio book last fall and I did the audio book in the, with the audio production company that we, initially started uh, 20 years ago now. 
Oh, that's so it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the studio and there's like a, uh, a piece of foam stapled to something. And I was like, I think I stapled this piece of foam onto this about 20 years ago. This literally the sound dampening foam. I know where the staple marks are in this piece of foam. And it was crazy to go full circle like that. That's interesting. Do you, do you have a little, did you have a little moment? A little, that's, that's nostalgia for sure. I totally did. Yeah. It was, it was great. And so what, what was the second, third? How like, cause we got 13. So I don't know if we'll get through, get through sure. them all, but I'm, I'm curious how this evolves. Cause sometimes people, you know, they try small business, they try it. Don't, it's not, they go, but you, you went all in, obviously you, I, you know, it took you a few tries, but you got to the point, like, this is just who I am and what I do. Right. I, I would say it's, uh, it took me a little while to, as I mentioned, to become clearly an entrepreneur in my mind, but it also, uh, there wasn't a lot of strategy. You know, I, I appreciate people that say, I'm getting into the, this business and there's a whole strategy with getting into it. I, I have a client who's uh, 28 out of Toronto and he has a business that first year, 15 million, next year, 55 million. He wants to get to 350 million, thinks he's an exit at 1.8 billion. He knows who's going to buy it. I'm like, Wow. You asked me, how did you get into the bar and restaurant business? I thought this would be cool. You know, and it really <laughs> like that yeah. was the business plan. Um, and in a lot of cases, so in starting out, how do we get into software? Greg read an article all about telephony software and how it was going to be this huge future. And he was like, we should do this. I was like, that sounds cool. Let's do it. I know a guy who could do the programming. All right, great. And so there was in the, in the first, all through my 20s and even in my early 30s, um, I got into the, another restaurant chain of restaurants that we built out uh, called San Remo Ristorante. Well, we built out, I went to the first one, uh, met with the owner. He wanted to sell it and move back to uh, Halifax or to the East Coast. I took the information. I said, look, I know guys in the restaurant business now. I'll shop it around. I looked at his financials and I thought, hey, you know, maybe I should buy this. And I went, uh, a longtime friend of mine took her for dinner there. We had a dinner. She was like, what I said, what do you think of the place? She said, it's great. I said, well, it's for sale. We should buy it. You could run it. I'll be sort of the business guy and, and away you go. And that was the whole business plan. You know, a couple of weeks later, we gave him a deposit check. So now as I've moved through, I'm getting now to the point where I'm like, I, I have way more to risk now, right? I've got a family. I'm further along in my life. Uh, it's interesting how that shifts the paradigm. Yeah. And so my, uh, I see the opportunities, but now I'm like, oh, would in the past, I would have been like, take it all, my RSPs, put the house in the line. Let's let it ride. Now I'm like, ooh, yeah, I can't let it ride. So I've got to make my separation of church and state is way better uh, now. And I look to say, okay, well, I know what's involved in launching a business. So I'm a little more cautious, better planner. Um, but yeah, that hasn't been, a, it's really been a progression all the way through that I, I think with everything, I keep getting smarter. I think a big, huge pivot point for me was uh, in the last significant downturn in sort of 08, well, really 09 uh, and 2010. Up until that point, I felt like I had kind of a Midas touch, like everything's rolling. You know, we right. were, had restaurants running. We like just on a whim, we're going to buy the pizza place. We're building at another one. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, with the collapse of the economy in uh, 2009, you know, our sales dropped off in the restaurant business 46%. So I can certainly relate to some of the issues people are having today um, with the pandemic. But in doing that, all of a sudden, you know, this whole little sideline empire that I was building out was like, I mean, really it was accidental, all these restaurants and all this, um, this chain of stuff, it all collapsed. And so all of a sudden HSBC called and said, Hey, we need our money back. Um, like, where do you want me to go get seven figures worth of money today? 
That's but a real we don't really care. Yeah. And so you learn about, and so all of a sudden, and then I got into the marketing business and to, I, I came in as a CEO to sort of take it over uh, and turn it around. Well, I realized that the business was in total collapse, losing people and money and, and clients every, every day. And so I went from having like what I would say was a pretty good run to all of a sudden in that period of 09, uh, 2010, even 2011. I mean, it was just chaos. It was chaos of trying to keep the lights on, trying to figure out how to finance it, trying to fight with the banks so they didn't shut down everything and take my house to, um, you know, how do you motivate people and create culture when people know the, the boat is sinking and maybe on fire? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, it was, it really felt like that, uh, that period of my life was clearly the most, I have a picture where I, I'm the skinniest I've ever been in my life. And it was all because of stress, weight loss. Um, not, not, not healthy eating and no, cardio. Not at all. No. And uh, when you only sleep four hours a night, you know, you're like, oh, that's why I'm not feeling so good. Um, but I, getting through all that, it's given me lessons as a coach that have been so invaluable when clients are pushed to that point, either in finance or operations or the broader economy, to be able to say, hey, I know what this feels like and I've weathered it and to be able to give some good advice. I wouldn't want to go back and do that again, but it was really after that period that in the last eight years, I've sort of owned the, I'm an entrepreneur and a really solid one. Like I can run a business. And uh, you certainly got tested by fire for sure. Yeah. Dur during that time, just curious to yourself, did you have mentors, people in your life, coaches? Like, do you, do you have, do you typically have a coach as well for your, for yourself? I do. Like, especially, especially through that process. Well, yeah, actually, you know what? I went searching for some people. I didn't going into that. Um, mm -hmm. I think probably being at that point in my mid thirties, feeling like a bit of a rock star, um, <laughs> didn't, wasn't too worried about it. Now I had, uh, because I'd been in the coaching space, so I had a coaching business. I knew lots of guys. So there was lots of people like it informally, like I'd phone you and say, hey, Tyler, can I just, you know, I want to bounce some ideas off you about marketing. And, and so I had a good peer network. Um, and, uh, and I was involved in EO at the time. And so I had peers in my forum group and stuff, but when things really started to collapse and were, I was really struggling, um, I didn't really have anybody who I would say other than probably my dad, where somebody I could have a really honest conversation with or felt comfortable. Um, now coming out of that, part of that, um, being able to weather the storm was going and getting a coach. In fact, a couple of them, I reached out to a few people, um, one local one, my current coach in Australia, who's been with me now for eight and a half or nine years. Um, oh, wow. and he's been great sometimes to just say here, let me remind you that you already know what the answer to this is. And other times to just help me see the forest through the trees or get perspective. Sometimes I, I really appreciate just the pep talk. I think well, the, trusted, the trusted advisor can fill many, many aspects of, oh, of your totally. of what, of what you need. Yeah. Right. Sometimes just the somebody phoning to say, "Hey, I just wanted to remind you, you got this." Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. And you go away going, "Man, that is exactly what I just needed to hear." <laughs> you get you get on the same wave, same wave, same wavelength. <laughs> yeah, I just sent a client a, a little video clip from Swingers, the movie from like twenty years ago, and it's. You know, Vince, skinny Vince Vaughn is talking to John Favreau. He's about like, you're this giant bear with these big claws and it's a little bunny, right? And it was all around, hey, you're great at sales. Like, just go in there and do it. And, I, think uh, I've, I think I've had that clip sent to me. Yeah. Before. And so, I mean, the <laughs> client said, that was so timely. Man, I just love that. It's kept me fired up for two weeks. 
Uh, that, the, the, it's amazing you can have that impact of the, you know, the right quote or the right little thing or just to shift that perception uh, at, the, at the right moment. And so I'm, I'm always a big advocate of surrounding myself with is those kind of outside influences, whether it's a speaker or I've been in tech for quite a few years. And yep. it's just like those external sources of inspiration when they come at the right time, like they literally can change your trajectory for the day, the week, the month, the year, depending if it's absolutely a, yeah. enough of a Sometimes people so, don't realize they say something and, and the power and the effect it has. On you, like you said, to change your paradigm or to just change your perspective, that you go, wow, and it, uh, yeah, it makes huge impact. I, I verily, I often have that. Well, someone will say, "Hey, remember when you said that thing to me? It really got me." And I'm like, "I don't even remember saying it." That's the amazing part of that, like how much it can resonate with somebody. Where for you, it might have just been in passing and just you know casually. And it's amazing the impact. Or you know, myself, I'm like, "Oh, you said that thing," and they're like, "I didn't say that." I'm like, "Oh no, you did. I wrote it down." Yeah. And whether they did or not, or what I heard, that's the whole. You know, that's the interesting thing how the brain plays with that. It's so totally true. Yeah. <laughs> if you say I said it, then absolutely I said it. I'm not going to argue. Was it good? Did it help? It did. I'm like, you're wrong. that was Super for me. To help. <laughs> yeah. Because a little TM on that, send some royalties. We're good. Um, talk to me about, about this book. I'm, I'm, I have endless respect and impressed. It feels like it's been written over a lifetime, but I imagine there's a point in time where you sat down and said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to tackle this project. So maybe give us a little bit of what, what's that like writing a, writing a book even period, let alone what's in here, which is gold. So I, yeah, actually I found writing a book to be daunting. Now the idea of coming up with writing, right. So the idea of writing a book, I thought, well, this is going to be easy. Um, and really the, where this came from was, uh, somewhere deep in me. I really thought that like, that was something on my list, you know, and sometimes people go, well, it's supposed to be on your bucket list. So write a book is on there I, for whatever reason it, it spoke to me. I always thought like, and I started to have clients, particularly as I came out of, um, this really bumpy period of, you know, Oh nine to even 2012. And, uh, I came out of that and was really like starting to now listen to where I gave advice to clients based on my own experience. And people say, said, well, how come my accountants never told me that about something in finance? Or how come, well, why don't I know that? Well, why isn't my banker telling me? Why is it? And you realized, oh, well, why isn't my agency telling me that, right, on the marketing side? So there was all these mm-hmm. things. And I'd be like, hmm, that's interesting. It really, I like, I should write that down. And I literally started making little notes of tools or tips or call them secrets that I had learned through the school of entrepreneur hard knocks. And so but quickly, the post-it note stack became pretty high. And I thought, oh, I should really start to document these. And quickly there, I was like, oh, there's a book here. And as I then started writing, um, I, I started to build it out. And I wrote, you know, kind of here and there. I would go on a couple of writing retreats where I'd get four days and I'd really make some good progress. But it really didn't make a lot of headway. And then my wife and I, my wife Lisa and I started having kids. And so we have two little boys. And when the kids showed up, writing a book just went sideways. I mean, nothing happened because I was starved for sleep to begin with. But it got back to a couple of years ago. Um, as I divested, of, uh, got out of the other businesses and just focused on Evolve, my coaching and training business, um, it gave me some time as well to also be able to get back to writing. I solved that by realizing there isn't any time in my regular life between family and work to be able to write a book. So I have to create some extra time. So I started getting up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning on Sundays, and I would write until about 9 o'clock. And so every week, and so I did that, and I created extra space. I could find one night a week I could get no sleep or get a lot less, but it was so satisfying to be able to make progress on the book. And when I got to sort of 76 ideas in my outline, I realized, okay, I'm going to, how many can I get? And quickly realized, okay, there's like 126 
I don't like some of these. And we cut it back to be 99. And the intention was my coach, Steve actually had said, what on earth do you want to write a book for? If you think you're going to be a bestseller, <laughs> that is the dumbest idea. Don't waste your time. And I said, well, I feel compelled to do this on the basis of, and this is really the, my punchline for it, that if one entrepreneur reads it and says, oh yeah, there's, you know, secret eight, 26 and 63. Oh my God, those helped me so much in running my business right now. Then getting that feedback from somebody is perfect. That's really what I would hope it do. And I wrote it uh, thinking of an a very successful entrepreneur I know named Carrie. And she is like so many entrepreneurs, runs a great business, doesn't think she's that good as a business owner. Um, you know, doesn't have the confidence she probably should have. She should have some swagger. And I thought, these are all the things I'd want to say to carry in each area of the business, right? Whether it's the finance side or on the selling side or how to manage yourself as an owner, your mindset. And so that's really how the whole framework of it came. Like, what are those 99 things that I'd say to carry? It's interesting picking, picking an audience, like know your audience, like literally picking an individual. And like, if I had the opportunity, that's, that's a powerful, and I like what you said, it was never about being a bestseller. That's not what you were doing it for. It was, you know, a deeper purpose, but like, again, I've read through most of it and kind of jumped around. I started reading it as a book and then I just started going, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. Then I just started going, what interests me? And I jumped to the cash section and then the marketing section. Perfect. You can, you can approach it. And I got some stickies and some underlines, but the level of practicality and just the level of reality in these pages, as someone who's been running a couple different businesses, had some businesses fail, had some businesses be successful, had some in-betweens. There's nothing I read in here that I was like, no, nah, that's bullshit. I don't, yeah, it was like, mm, yep, yep. That's pretty simplified. That's right on. Like just the way you wrote it, I just compliment and just, these are very, could be very complex, but you boil them down into ways that you can just read it and get it. And a huge compliment to you on that one. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate that coming from you. And, and I think that my hope was as a business owner, you know, I mean, most entrepreneurs are so busy with just managing everything to be able to say, why don't you sit down and spend an hour every day at lunch and read? They're like, are you kidding? I don't even have lunch. So, I mean, I, 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 I ate it in my desk at a Tupperware. What are you talking about? Totally. So when each secret is three or four pages long, it gives, and it had to be practical. So it's like, listen, I know this actually works if you go and do this because I've done it in my, this is the way it works, right? That sometimes you get those academic books where you go, well, that's an interesting model, but I have no idea how to apply that. And I, I've had number of people say, Hey, you know where I read that book? And I was like, please don't tell me. I think I have an idea where you're sitting, but I don't want to know. It. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I'll send you a picture. I'm like, it's okay. I'm good. Thanks. No, you don't need to share everything. We're good. We're, we're okay. I got it. <laughs> we are oversharers these days. No, like one to two pages, quick, read them, boom, jump back and forth. And I don't know about you, but I've got the books on my nightstand I, that that are on the, you know, I should read those lists often just because the title sounded great or someone's recommended it to me who I valued. And then I've got the other bookshelf that's got the, the, the academic books that have been a third or, you know, a few pages read. And, you know, then once the internet came into my life and I don't know, it's got to be applicable in real life or it just doesn't get read for a lot of people. That's reality, especially entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And I think to be able to get something that you can, the other thing is everything's in flux, right? I mean, you know this, that one minute, you and I could talk to this month and you go, man, our people situation, our team is just hitting on all cylinders. We're great. 30 days, 60 days from now, you could be like, I don't know what's happened. The team's falling apart. And oftentimes it's not even from the business. It could be external stuff. And it's like, and so I like the idea that in writing the book, the structure being that, hey, if there's a section, if it is HR and managing people, that, okay, well, read through that if that's what's going on in your business. Next month, it might be finance. could be marketing this, you know, this fall that you can move around and it's not necessarily a, 
it's not designed as a framework to be just in one situational space. For, you know, your business is either here or it doesn't fit. You know, if, if I was if if I was a, if I was an actor in my own movie and this book was part of it, I would literally open a page and this part would glow one time. I opened it next time, another part would glow because it's all yeah. about where 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 you, where you need to look. That would be my yeah, hope. Curious. Exactly. Just just the logistics on this. Did you do you, you self publish? Like, what was a bit of the process of actually turning this into uh, a real life thing that I'm I'm holding in my hand right now? Yeah. So as you mentioned, it's 398 pages, which was not my intention, but. Uh, Really, once I got the manuscript down, I went through and read it. And then actually I had a, a publisher and I, honestly, for the life of me, I can't remember how I, but they're out of California. I got okay. connected with them and they quickly sent uh, a contract saying, Hey, we'd like to publish the book. And I was literally oh, okay. at the point where it was on the table. I was so proud and thought, I'm going to sign this thing. And then I thought, literally had that moment where I went, this was awfully easy. And I thought, <laughs> hmm. And as I went back and I read the contract, I thought, okay, well, now they have rights to the second and third book. The split was pretty good. But then I thought, well, I'm going to investigate what these guys do for marketing. And then I found out that maybe they were overstated how big they were as a publisher or that uh, I noticed that the person who was running the marketing firm that they used had the same last name. And I went, hmm, okay. And so that red, led red me flag, down, Marty, red flag. Right, right. And so it led me down the path of asking a number of people I know hey, who did you publish? And some of them were with big, like I'm with Random House. Some of them were self-published. And I started to evaluate all of their different scenarios. And so I selected a group out of Texas um, who are kind of what a hybrid uh, publisher. So they walk you through all the publishing process. I had a fantastic editor out of Pittsburgh um, who just who was so valuable to uh, the finished product of the book. And they, I was very clear on what I wanted uh, but they helped me being a novice to walk through everything. Like, you know, how do you design a cover? What are the key things that you need? And then to be able to balance that with, okay, well, here's what speaks to me and, you know, AB testing it with people. Uh, but they, uh, so, uh, but a hybrid, what I mean is they operate like a traditional publisher, but you pay a fee so that uh, you own the rights of the book as it, as it gets published. But they helped me, you know, launch it on Amazon and, make it out helped with the uh, Amazon bestseller status in Canada and the U S and uh, it was a really great experience. And so that's, that's how I all sort of really getting a lot of feedback from other people I respected and respected their books and said, how did this work? Which is so there's always somebody that's very rare. There isn't someone who's gone before and, and reaching out. And, you know, I do, I had some guests on earlier today, just talking about, Western Canada, like how willing people are to just help you get stuff done. Just reach out and Absolutely. ask. Absolutely. Oh, it's so true. Calgary, Calgary, especially, I always think that's one of the greatest characteristics of this town. You could phone just about anybody and say, I need some help. And they're like, sure. When do you want to meet? What, Absolutely. And the, the comment on the, the person I was talking to, it's like, and people that shouldn't give you the time of day based on kind of where they're at in their life, but they still do. And that's Calgary and, or, you know, Western Canada. I won't, won't take all the credit, but Calgary, Calgary is the biggest small town I've ever lived in. And I, and I will continue to love it for it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The, the, the secret village of about 30,000 people, as far as I can tell. It yes, says 1.3 yeah, yeah, million, yeah. but I don't know what, uh, that doesn't make sense. But yet we run into the same people. Like I live in a city of 1.3 million people, but driving somewhere, I will see someone I know and they'll wave. That happened in my small town of 600 people when I grew mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So from yourself, have you been like, and I'm, like, I'm asking kind of really into weeds questions. Like, are these, uh, do people buy them? Do you give them out? Are they part of your, like, I'm just so, so curious about, you know, I was lucky and very honored that you sent me a copy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. But if someone's interested, they go on Amazon, just buy one. Yeah. They can go on Amazon. <laughs> uh, they can go, to, uh, they can get it on chapters. 
they can uh, on Audible. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's selling all over the place. I mean, one of the crazy things is you know I just uh, had somebody who out of Saudi Arabia who bought one the other day. Uh, a friend of mine gave away sixty of them at Christmas time to everybody in Australia. Um, so it does have reach. Um, that, but the easiest thing is just where you'd think you'd find a book. Uh, hit Amazon, whether it's .ca.com, and it's there. And uh, yeah, it's that's my favorite thing is uh, for the cost of the book. I know that any entrepreneur is going to be able to say, okay, there's a couple things in here that really transform the way I run a business, and uh, I think it's valuable that way. The amount we've all spent as entrepreneurs to learn lessons, sometimes the hard way. This is a much easier way, oh, for the record. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I have a phone call story where it cost me 158000 bucks, and I always think, if somebody had told me or just said, here, read this chapter, that, that would have been an easier way than paying back that money. Yeah, this book doesn't come with its own landmines where some of my other decisions do, so I think that's a huge <laughs> part. <laughs> that's right. So from the, from what I heard loud and clear, this was very much, you know, uh, and I don't want to kind of over uh, romanticize it, but this was a calling. This is something that, that you wanted to do as a marketing tool, as a business, as a brand awareness tool. Has it has it done what you hoped it would do aside from just that you had this in you and you needed to kind of get it out to the world? Um, I think uh, there's that moment, probably like anything, almost like you launch a company, you launch anything. So we launched the book the first week. It uh, had great sales. Um, so it hit that bestseller status in the US and Canada. I did a little dance, you know, drank some champagne with my wife. And then the next Monday, you realize you wake up and you're like, right. And now there needs to be a whole marketing program around the book. It is its own product. It has its own life. I mean, we're building out an online course to go with it. Um, I did the audio book um, in my old studio. Uh, and so all of those things uh, have been great, but you realize it is almost its own business. Um, but I'm okay with continuing to be able to promote it and, uh, you know, talk about it on podcasts like this. And, uh, yeah, again, I, my hope is that I'd rather impact a thousand entrepreneurs with stuff out of that, that it really, for me, was just a, a tool of reach, right? That there's only right. so many people you can talk to live every day, but boy, you could, connect with people all over the world through that medium. Well, and, li and listening to you, Chad, and kind of having met you in the past and reading the book, like it is, it is on brand. Like it's consistent. The way the way that it, it reads, it's very practical. It's pragmatic. It's it's easy reading. It isn't you know big words for the sake of big words. It's it's not any of that. It's a very approachable, which to me is one hundred percent on brand from the guy that I know. So again, kudos to you on that because I've read some books. I'm like, mm, somebody tried too hard. This isn't the person I know that wrote this book. Sometimes you know what I mean. Well, not a criticism, but sometimes no. editors take it in a, in a weird path. It, it, there's, yeah, actually even having an editor, uh, there was times where I had to dial it back and be like, I would never say that, you know? And sometimes, yeah, I've read books where I was like, I just don't hear your voice in this. And other times where you're like, and I appreciate it when somebody has said, I can hear you talking in my ear when I read this. Hmm. I was like, perfect. That's exactly the sound and the voice that it needed to have. Well, in an era where we value authenticity and transparency more than we've ever, because sometimes when you don't have something, you look for it. And in a world of you and I were talking offline about social media and curated perfect lives. And the more you feel like, wow, that per that's really real. And like, that actually is who that person is. I, I don't know. I certainly connect to that a lot deeper than the, okay, your life is perfect and all your photos are shiny. That's not how it is. <laughs> I absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah. Authenticity is a, uh, is a real commodity. It, it is. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah. And when you have it, you 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 can feel it. Like it's, it's, it's palatable for sure. Well, Marty, I really appreciate the time. And again, the effort you took to even put this book in my hands, I have endless respect and, you know, often thought about oh, what would it be like to write a book? It would be hard. And when I picked this up, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it doesn't, nothing about this feels easy <laughs> to me. So the value exponentially high. 
What's the way for someone, someone's really curious, they want to reach out, get a hold of you. What's the best way to get in contact? Uh, sure. The easiest is probably hitting me on my website, which is just www.martypark.com. So it's M-A-R-T-Y-P-A-R-K.com. Uh, or they can catch me on social media, mostly at, uh, at the Marty Park. And uh, yeah, and like I said, the book's available on any of your Amazon channels. So uh, that's probably the best way. Do Fantastic. a Google on Marty Park. I should come up somewhere yeah. there. I like the Marty Park. So something about that sounds good. Yes, the Marty Park. Actually, um, also, are, are you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to make a joke. There's my last name is English, but it's also Korean, and so there's a number of guys named Marty Park in Korea. So uh, occasionally, that's why I had to be the Marty Park because there was already some other guy in Korea who's got my name. I didn't. That's not the first thing I thought when I saw your name. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Um, and also just curious, are you taking on new clients right now? Obviously you're, you're a coach and a coach has, you know, I, you, you said earlier, we we're talking about just the intensity and the focus that you've been giving to your current clients. A lot of businesses are looking for an external viewpoint and help right now for sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I am. Uh, we take on, uh, we fortunate, we haven't been in a position where we've had to turn people away. Um, sometimes I connect with people and I go, actually, you know what? I'm not the guy for you, but I know who is. And, uh, yeah, but I'll direct somebody to a resource that can help them. Uh, and whether somebody becomes a client or just needs five minutes to talk about, Hey, I got a question about my business. I'm, I really, in, in coming back to coaching as my sort of call it profession, uh, or my calling, uh, I said, you know, my big mandate is to help entrepreneurs. And so if that means helping with a 15 minute strategy call about something, uh, we're all the way down to, you know, here, have a book to, uh, why don't you become a, one of our active clients? Uh, I'm open to any of those if it supports an entrepreneur out there. I appreciate we brought the help from the beginning right back to the end. So absolutely. That is, it's, it is, it is a heartfelt profession for sure. And the ones I've met that do it the best are the ones that are there to help you no matter what that formula looks like. So I, that's a, that's a nice warm note to close on. Marty, thanks for your, thanks for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, Todd, this has been great. Thank you. My pleasure. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the, the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day.